Last Sunday, we saw that Jesus is Lord over psychology. Because the Lord made the human soul. He understands how to heal the human soul. And so, we have studied that Jesus is the wonderful Counselor. Today we're going to look into our first of 16 case studies. That is, instances recorded in the Holy Scriptures in which God Himself gave counsel, individual counsel, to a person with a human problem. And so we come to Genesis chapter 4 and the encounter of God with Cain. Let's bow in prayer. Thank You, Father, for giving us Your Word. It is true. It is true about You. It is true about us. And it's true about the hope that we can have in Jesus. I pray that You would build the faith of each one that hears this message today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Why do we get so angry sometimes? What does anger do to us? How does it produce a fog that blinds us to the consequences of our actions? And how can we bring our temper, our anger, under the control of the Holy Spirit in our lives? I have to say, as a, you all look so nice today. You just look nice. You look great. You look like people that wouldn't get mad about anything, you know. But we live in a world in which people do get angry. Where anger leads to bitterness. And bitterness leads to depression. And depression leads to violence. In some cases, even to murder. Stephen Paddock bought a bunch of guns, took them to a hotel room, and sprayed a country western pro-American audience at a concert with bullets. 58 dead, 500 wounded, many still struggling for their lives. Last year in 2016, in America... 17,250 murders. Murder. How can such nice people living in such a nice country have so much murder? So much depression. So much bitterness. So much anger. And we think, yeah, things have really gotten bad in 2017. But you know... The human race started out bad. I mean, we are in the very beginning of the Bible. Adam's just been created, and 
Eve's been created out of his side. The first parents broke the first rules. The first eviction. In this chapter, the first birth. And before long, the first murder. Cain became so angry that he killed his brother Abel. He killed his little brother. How did he become so angry? And how did God counsel him in the midst of his anger? In this passage, what can we learn about God? What can we learn about ourselves? And then for those of us who want to serve the Lord and help others, how can we counsel others when they are caught up in anger and bitterness? The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself, isn't it? Yeah. Turn in your Bibles with me to the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4, where the writer of Hebrews explains this matter of sacrifice. At the appointed time, both Cain and Abel brought their sacrifices to God, and we know the story how Abel's sacrifice was accepted and Cain's was rejected. Why did that happen? Why did God reject Cain's sacrifice and accept Abel's? Hebrews 11, verse 4 tells us the answer. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts. And through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. Abel speaks today, even though he lived a very short life. Because during that short life, he lived by faith. He offered an acceptable sacrifice by faith. 500 years ago this month, a Roman Catholic monk by the name of Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of the Wittenberg Cathedral. You see, Martin Luther had a problem that many Roman Catholics have had because he had been reading the Bible. And when you read the Bible, it's amazing how you began looking at your church in a whole new light. Because now, you're not just accepting everything a church says and does. You have a higher standard to evaluate it by. He began evaluating the medieval Roman Catholic Church of Germany in the light of God's Word. And the one thing that he discovered that was key to everything was that the just shall live by faith. He recognized that all of the efforts of human sacrifice offering our best like Cain did was never enough. That there was a need for a blood sacrifice. And that that blood sacrifice of Christ was once for all. We find the trail of blood all the way through the Scriptures. It begins even before this text when Adam and Eve made fig leaf outfits 
for themselves. And God said that's not right. What did He do? He provided coats of skins. Not the wool of a lamb, which can cause a lamb to still survive, but you take the skin off an animal, it's dead and blood has been shed. God Himself shed the original blood of the lamb to provide an adequate covering for the shamed nakedness of Adam and Eve. And now it is the blood sacrifice offered by faith that is accepted by God. And down through the history of mankind, the only way that anyone can approach God is through the blood sacrifice of the God-ordained substitute. Jesus Christ, who died on the cross. How sad it is that Cain's spiritual offspring are ministering in many churches in America today. They're bringing their human best to God. And feeling like, well, God is good. He'll accept my human best. And I'll be okay in this life and in the life to come because I'm doing my human best. And so Cain brought his sacrifice of his fruit. But I tell you what, the churches that stand for the Gospel of Jesus Christ, like Wake Chapel Christian Church, are those churches that still preach the blood of Christ as the only cleansing for the guilt and shame of human sin. Aren't you glad you're in a bloody church instead of a fruity church? There's a lot of fruity churches out there, I'm telling you. And they're getting fruitier all the time. And they bring their human fruit to God. Their humanity. They say, well, it must be right because it's human. Hey, everything that's human isn't right. The fact is, whether we are heterosexual or homosexual, we are all sinners before a holy God. And unless we come by means of the blood of Christ, we cannot come. Every other sacrifice... For sin is unacceptable. And so we see the seeds of the Gospel right here in Genesis chapter 4. When Cain realized that God had accepted Abel's offering and not his own, he became angry. It says his face fell. Our faces tell a lot, don't they? You come home from work and your spouse says to you, bad day, huh? How did you know? I looked at you. Yeah, I could tell. We read each other's faces. Our faces tell the story. They tell our mood. And God looked at Cain's face. It had fallen. It looked mad and it looked sad. And many people today are mad and sad. Especially when they encounter Christians who know God, who know right and wrong, who believe in absolute truth, who believe in morals, who believe in marriage, who believe that right is right and wrong is wrong. When they encounter us, often they become irrationally angry. His face fell. The New Testament commentary 
on this passage is found also in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 11. Little book of 1 John chapter 3 and verse 11. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Society is asking that question. Why? Why do people kill each other? Why so many murders in our inner cities like Chicago and Baltimore and so forth? Why so many murders? What does he say? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Why did Abel have righteous works? Because he came to God with a blood sacrifice by faith. And now he is able to do good works. The Bible makes it clear that we are saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. But He has saved us not by our good works, but for good works. He has saved us unto good works. And when a person is saved through trusting in Christ alone and His death on the cross for us, then he begins doing or she begins doing good works. Now, as a thank you to God, as an outgrowth of the new life of Christ, the new heart that Christ gives us. And now those works are acceptable to God. And that person begins living out a Christian life. The book of James makes it clear that true faith works. A person that says, well, you can be saved by just praying a prayer and it won't make any difference in your life. That's not true. I had a person come to me one time and said, I'm not sure when I was saved. I'm not sure if it was when I raised my hand in a little Bible club when I was a child or whether I, when I went forward at a Christian camp when I was older or as an adult. And, and I'm not sure when I got saved. I said, when did your life change? When did your life change? Because if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We are not saved by our works, but when we are saved by grace through faith, God works in us to produce good works, righteous works. And our lives are different because of the presence of Christ. Now, how did God Himself counsel Cain in the middle of his difficulty. It's interesting that the first counseling method used by God himself was to ask Cain two good questions. Now, why does God ask questions? It's not because he doesn't know the answer. God knows everything. Why does God ask questions? As I studied the wonderful counselor's counsel throughout Scripture, I found again and again, God asked people questions. Hey, by the way, that's why preachers ask you questions, is to help you to think. Amen? And good counselors ask questions to help people think. What are his two questions? Why are you angry? Hey, that's a good question to ask somebody. Why are you angry? What's, what's at the root of this? And the second question is, why has your countenance fallen? Notice that both of those questions are why questions. They are thought questions that go to the issue of motives. 
Because it is not only important to God what we do and what we don't do, what's even more important is why we did it. Why are we angry? Hey, maybe you want to counsel yourself. The psalmist did. He said, why art thou cast down, O my soul? He's talking to himself. How many of you ever talk to yourself? I do. I talk to myself. Hey, there's only one alternative to talking to yourself. Do you know what it is? Something much worse. Listening to yourself. Big mistake. In counseling, I've often dealt with people who listen to themselves way too much. We live in a world that Disney and everything else says, follow your heart. What does the Bible say about your heart? It's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Don't follow your heart. Don't listen to your heart. Don't listen to yourself. Listen to God and straighten yourself out. Did you ever straighten yourself out? Why am I doing this? Why am I mad? Why am I angry? What's stirring me up? Why am I acting like this? Ask yourself some questions. Counsel yourself. And maybe you won't need as much counseling from others. Or, why is your countenance falling? Really, why am I so down? I'm so down. Why am I so down? What's getting me down? Ask yourself some questions. You see, Cain wanted acceptance. He wanted acceptance, and, and God wanted to give him acceptance. God wants to reach out and receive everyone. What did Jesus say over the city of Jerusalem just before they murdered him? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. Now your house is left to you desolate. He wanted to gather them. God wants everyone to come to Him. Jesus died for the whole world. He wants the Gospel preached in all the world. Because He loves every person on this earth. God so loved the world. And He wanted Cain to come back to Him. Just do well. Do well. When I counsel people regarding anger, I always go to Ephesians 4.26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. I love that command, be angry. That's one I can obey. <laughs> you say, well, I never get angry. Then you don't care. People who care get angry. Now, it's important to get angry at the right things. It's good to channel your anger in the right direction. I got so mad one time that I lost weight. <laughs> we had a missionary out in the Philippines. She said, I want to get married. She was single missionary. She met a guy out there who wants to get married. I said, great. And she said, will you marry us? I said, sure. She says, will you wear a barong? I said, what's a barong? It's one of those starched linen embroidered shirts like they wear it's kind of the three-piece suit of the philippines you know it's a dress-up thing and she says i need your demand she gave diane a list of five different measurements they wanted of me for the barong oh i got so disgusted with myself i said that's it that's it i'm gonna lose weight and i did i one of the hardest things i ever did you should have seen me i was much bigger <laughs> i got mad 
Anger is not a bad thing if it motivates you to do what you ought to do. Amen? Somebody said, the first step in a personal revival is being thoroughly disgusted with yourself. I was. It motivated me. Anger motivates. It releases energy, emotional and physical energy in our system. Did you ever open a closet and everything fell out? You said, that's it. That is it. i got to clean out that closet. And you cleaned it out because you were motivated. It is amazing how anger gives us energy to get things done. The danger with anger is when we direct it at other people or at ourselves instead of the problem. Right? So, you never get angry. You don't care. But if you care about some things and you see a problem... I was in Israel back over Easter. I was able to take my granddaughter to Israel. And uh, we were there. Our tour guide was telling us that his daughter was inducted into the Israeli army, as all young women are, to serve two years. And in the training, while they were training these young ladies, they brought an army surgeon in. And he said, while you're in the Israeli army, we will give you for free three free abortions. She came home and told her mom and dad. Her mom got mad. She said, that's not right. That's not right. And she was able to get the right to also address the young ladies who came into the Israeli army in that induction induction place and to say to them, the Christian way, she's a a Jewish believer, uh, should the Bible way, and, and then to open a home for these young women who get pregnant to come to their home that oversees the Sea of Galilee and to lead these young ladies who get pregnant in the army to Christ. Reaching out with a redemptive solution. Trying to do something. Praise God for those in this community who are not only believing that abortion is murder, which it is, but are doing something to help people with pregnancies and difficulty. They're reaching out to them with the Gospel at pregnancy centers. Praise God. I hope you get mad enough about something that you do something about it. Don't get mad at other people. Don't get mad at yourself. Certainly don't get mad at God. But let your anger motivate you. Somebody asked me when our son died, are you mad at God? That's a good question. Especially to ask a preacher. You mad at God. I had to give an honest answer. I said, you know, I need him too much to be mad at him right now. I said, maybe later. You know, I just need him too much. I need him too much to be angry at him. I hope you're not angry at God. Be angry and do not sin in your anger. Hey, that's important, isn't it? And then he says, don't let your son, the sun, go down on your wrath. You, have, you, you can't be mad nearly as long now as you were in the summertime. You've got to get rid of that sooner. In the summer, you can be mad till 9 o'clock. Don't let the sun go down. You see, anger, when it is fresh, can empower us to address issues that need to be addressed. But when it's leftover anger, it becomes bitterness. And bitterness becomes a root in our lives that springs up and defiles many according to the book of Hebrews. 
And then there's something even more dangerous than that. He says, nor give place to the devil. When we allow anger to become bitterness, we have given the devil ground in our soul from which to operate. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. My wife and I decided something before we got married. We've been married 46 years. And uh, we decided something. It was one of the smartest things we ever did. We decided uh, to start every morning fresh. Because some, some family, some couples, when they fight, they get historical. You know what I'm talking about? They don't just deal with what happened right now. They deal with what's been happening. For the last 10 years, you've been doing that. You know, or whatever. Oh, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Let every day be a fresh new day. It's so sad to see couples that start out so happy ending up in the divorce court, ending up in all kinds of bitterness and adultery and so forth. Praise God. I'll tell you what, if you start every day fresh with a clean slate and you don't bring up the past to yourself or to your mate or to others, and you just don't dwell on it. You say, no, uh, Jesus forgave me. I'm going to forgive them. I'll forgive them as He has forgiven me. And then you start each day fresh. Because if you don't, if you allow yourself to brood and develop resentment and to hold uh, a grudge against other people, the devil will have a button he can push in your life whenever he wants to. Satan uses the world to tempt our flesh. And the devil's been at this for a long time, and he knows where people's buttons are, he knows where your buttons are, and he knows that all he has to do is bring up some memory, some association, some thought. You'll even see somebody that looks like your dad, who you hate, and you'll get mad. Even though your dad's been dead for 20 years. That's how the human soul works. Don't let it happen to you. Give it up. Forgive every person who has ever done you wrong. Forgive as you have been forgiven. He who has forgiven you commands you to forgive others. And when you forgive others, Satan will not have a place, a tapas, a place in your life. The other thing I noticed that God did in his, as a wonderful counselor counseling Cain was that He gave him alternatives. He didn't just tell him what to do. Don't we want to do that when we counsel other people? I'll just tell you what to do. And if you do what I tell you to do, you'll be fine. But even God, the wonderful counselor, doesn't do that here. He, all, he shows alternatives. He says, you know, there's two roads. If you do well, you'll be accepted. If you don't do well, sin lies at the door. And what does that sin want to do? It crouches like a lion at Cain's door. Its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Satan goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. I tell you, the devil wants to destroy you and your family. Do you know that? The devil wants to destroy your marriage. We are in a battle. It's a spiritual warfare. 
And if you don't know you're in a battle, you're probably a captive. You're probably already captured. If you are living for Christ, you know that the world, the flesh, and the devil are against you, and that the world and the flesh and the devil are stronger than you are, but you've got the Lord. And greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Satan is out to destroy you and your family and your marriage, but God is greater, and we can trust in Him. Well, what was the outcome of the counseling? It's interesting to see. So what's the outcome? Did Cain listen to the wonderful counselor with his wonderful counsel? Did he think through uh, with those wonderful questions that God gave to him? Did he consider the road that he was on and where it was taking him and, 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 and repent and, and, and humble himself and come back to the Lord? No, he didn't. And that in itself is an encouragement to me. <laughs> Oh, I've been counseling people for a long time. And you know what? Some of them have followed my counsel. A lot of them haven't. And if you think that studying the wonderful counselor is going to mean that everybody you give counsel to is going to do right and is going to have a good response and, and, and think that you're a wonderful counselor, hey, I got some news for you. Even the perfect counselor, God Himself, was rejected by Cain. Cain continued down the wrong road. Cain's murder of his brother came after God Himself had dealt with Cain. What happened? He let his sinful anger eat him up. It desired to consume him. And your anger will consume you if you let it. Proverbs 16.32 says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Turn with me to James 1.19. James 1.19. The wonderful book of James. Such a practical application of our faith. James 1 and verse 19, but every one of you must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all the remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. I think that's an easier command to obey for you people from down south because you talk slower anyway. <laughs> I grew up in New Jersey where people talk fast. They talk fast. The weird thing is people down south, they talk slow, but they sing fast. It's weird. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but when you sing all the verses, then you got to sing fast. But uh, being swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. That's something I had to learn the hard way. Um, I'm very quick to speak. I have poor impulse control. Always have and ask my dear wife. She's been trying to slow me down, get me to listen. And, and you know, marriage has been good for me in that regard. Uh, but I've, I've had in church life and in home life, uh, that's been a hard lesson for me to listen. To listen with my mind, to listen with my heart and to be slow to speak. 
One of the finest men I ever knew, Paul Merson, one of the sweetest, kindest Christian men I ever knew, was an elder at Faith Bible Church in Maryland where I was pastoring for 11 years. And I asked Paul one time, I said, were you always this nice? He said, no. He said, as a young man, I had a terrible temper. I would fly into a rage and I would hurt people verbally and physically. He said, God really had to deal with me and to bring my anger under God's control. God is able to do that. God is able to do that. It's interesting to me that the wonderful counselor did not give Cain a pill. He gave him a choice. Why? Because human beings are not merely a collection of chemicals. We do have a lot of chemicals, and chemicals can help us, and I take pills too. But I'll tell you what, what this world needs is not just more pills. What we need is the truth of God to place upon us human responsibility for the choices that we make in our lives. It is ennobling to tell someone that as a human being, you are one who is responsible before God for your choices. You are not merely a collection of uh, chemicals with predetermined ideas. No, you are a human being made in the image of God who can make choices and by God's grace can make a choice to receive Jesus and to walk in His way. What was the process that took place in Cain's life? He went out from that counseling session with God, demonstrated his willful disregard for everything that God had said. He let his rejection become anger. Then his anger turned to depression. His depression resulted in violence. He talked to his brother Abel, rose up against him, and killed him. And we have recorded here the first murder in human history. I don't know if Cain realized what death really was until his brother could not be revived. And the Lord didn't, and he didn't stop dealing with Cain. Even after he killed his brother, the Lord still comes to counsel him. And the Lord comes to him with a question. Where is Abel your brother? Oh, God knew where he was. Where is he? And he lies. He says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I his shepherd? Do I have to look after my little brother? He's angry. He's deceptive. He's bitter. Where was Abel? His body lay in the field, perhaps hidden under something. His soul was in heaven because his blood sacrifice was accepted. But Abel's blood had a voice. What did God say? Genesis 3.10 the, the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. The voice of Abel's blood cried out to God. Look at the New Testament commentary on this. Hebrews 12.24 Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 24 Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better 
than the blood of Abel. Abel's blood cried out to God for justice. But the blood of Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, speaks better things than that of Abel. Jesus' blood cries out to the Father for mercy for all who have trusted in Jesus. Jesus, who died and rose again and ascended on high, is now our great high priest pleading His shed blood for our sins. He ever lives to make intercession for us. That's how you get saved. That's how you stay saved. Because of the blood of Jesus. Abel's blood had a voice. Jesus' blood has a voice. That blood speaks. What were the consequences? God announces a curse on Cain. He's already cursed the ground and cursed Eve in childbearing, but now He curses Cain from the earth. You are cursed from the earth which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. You say, but wait a minute. Wasn't that capital murder? Wasn't that first degree murder? Didn't he he plan on killing his brother and then killed him? Shouldn't he have gotten a death sentence? Well, that comes later under the law of Moses. That comes later under the Noahic covenant. But... God is gracious. God is more gracious than you can ever imagine. And He gives a lesser punishment in the curse of Cain. But what does Cain do? Does he say, well, thank you for not killing me right away. No. He says that my punishment is more than I can bear. He says, maybe you said this when you were a kid. It's not fair. Did you ever say that when you were a kid? And what did your mother say? Life isn't fair. Did she say that? Yeah. Okay. And, and Cain had that attitude. This isn't fair. This isn't fair. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He's angry. He says, whoever's going to find me is going to kill me when they hear I'm the cursed Cain. But what did God do? He responded in grace. He put a mark on Cain lest anyone finding him should kill him. God protected Cain the first murderer, by putting a mark of ownership on him and said, I will avenge him seven times. God is so gracious. Did you ever pray for somebody that wandered away from God? And you prayed for him and you prayed for him and you prayed for him and then all these good things started happening to them. He say, my prayers aren't working at all. I thought something bad would happen to him if I prayed they'd get saved. God would bring them up short. And stop their evil way. Hey, it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. You pray for things, pray for people, you'll see good things will happen to them because that's the path to God. He is so gracious. He constantly puts His arms open wide and wants to receive every guilty person to Himself. The goodness of God leads to repentance. What about you? What about you? Have you followed the way of Cain? Have you tried to bring your own good works to God? Trusting that He will accept them? 
Or have you followed the way of Abel bringing the blood sacrifice of Jesus? Have you followed in the way of Cain to let your anger go underneath into depression and self-hatred? Hatred for others. Bitterness. And it's defiling your life. It's weakening you. It's causing all kinds of problems. The way of Cain. Don't follow that. Follow the way of Abel. Follow the way of trusting in the blood sacrifice. Follow in the way of heeding God's counsel. Let's bow in prayer. Do you need God's help today? Do you need help in controlling your anger? Are you bitter against someone who has hurt you very deeply? Maybe someone that has abandoned you? Someone who has caused you great harm? Can you forgive them with the forgiveness you've received from Christ? Perhaps you've been like Cain, you've been bringing the fruit of your own life to God and trying to serve God with good works, but you've never come as a guilty sinner to believe in Jesus that He died on the cross for you and rose again. Are you sure that if you died today that you would go to heaven? Have you come to the place in your spiritual life where you know for sure that if you died today, you would go to heaven. You can be sure. Not by trusting in yourself and your own good works, but by trusting in Jesus Christ alone. How do you do that? You call on the Lord. You call on Him in prayer. Right in your heart. Right silently. Right where you are right now, you can call on the Lord. Many years ago, I called on the Lord. I prayed a prayer like this. I said, Dear God, I know I'm a guilty sinner. Jesus, I believe that You died for me and rose again. Jesus, I receive You into my life as my Savior and Lord. And Jesus came into my life and He saved me, changed my life. He'll change your life. He'll give you forgiveness of sins. He'll give you joy and peace and love. Would you pray with me? Right in your heart, silently right now. Just say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe that You died on the cross for my sins. I believe You rose again from the dead. Jesus, I receive You into my life as my Savior and Lord. Thank You for the free gift of eternal life. If you prayed with me today to receive Christ as your Savior, I'd love to hear about that to help you get started in your whole new life in Christ. My wife and I, Diane and I, will be at the door after the service and we would be glad uh, to hear what God is doing in your life and to be of help to you in any way that we can. Father, I pray your blessing upon each one that is here today that we may not be forgetful hearers, but doers of the work. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Joy Best is going to come and lead us in prayer.
And after he prays, we're going to sing God be with you till we meet again. And at that point, if you are here this morning and will not be doing the walkthrough tour of the new education wing, you may be dismissed during that time. And those of you who would like to remain and do the walkthrough of the new the new building after the service will be seated after we sing God Be With You. And Tom Lowell will come and explain to us how the uh, building committee is going to help us do that tour together. So Joy will lead us in prayer. We'll sing. Those of you who need to go at that time may be dismissed while we're singing. And then those who will stay for the tour will be seated. Let's pray together. Gracious, love, and heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day, God. Lord, we thank you for the gifts that you've given this church, both in this building that we're about to move into, Lord, and the men and women that serve you faithfully, God. Lord, we thank you for Dan and Diane Peters, Lord, um, and for the ministry that they bring to us, Lord, and we pray that you will just work through them in this interim time, God. Lord, we, we pray for the pulpit committee as they continue with their search, and we continue to uplift or lift up this congregation to you in this time of transition, God. Lord, we have, uh, we've already prayed um, this morning for Trans World Radio, Lord, but we lift up Scott and Aaron Hollinger to you this morning, and the work that they do through Trans World Radio, Lord, that you will continue to uh, provide blessings to them and to those that are reached by that uh, wonderful mission, God. Lord, as we leave this place today, we ask that you just keep us safe and that you allow us to hear the words that were spoken and prayed in this building today and take them to heart, God, and that we may be better served by being here with you today, God. And we ask all these things through Christ our Father. Amen.